Take you beyond the barbell. And now for your host, Mo Dingo. Welcome to the One More Rep Podcast, where we take you beyond the barbell. I am your host, Mo Dingo, and with me is Brody. What is up, Brody? What's up, man? All right, much better, much better. We're getting there. We're hey, getting there. I'm working on it. That was about a seven. I need you to like it at eight. Next episode. <laughs> So again, thank you for all the feedback. We were taking that to heart and we were trying to make better podcast for you, the listener. So today, talking about coaching. So by definition, you know, a coach is a person who trains an athlete or gives someone lessons in a particular subject or makes a decision about how a team plays. So as far as coaching, is that's kind of what we do as coaches. But I, th- I think... And I'm pretty sure, Brody, you argue that it's it's more than just telling people what to do. It's so much more than telling someone what to do. Mm-hmm. That's the probably, that might be the smallest fraction of being an actual coach or trainer, I think, is telling someone what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else. And, start, and, and saying three, two, one. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's very small too, right? There's so much that goes into being a trainer, but there's also so many facets of training. Like you can be the top tier. Or you can be the trainer who's just sitting there and pushing people to class like a, like an assembly line, like an assembly line, or you know, herding the cattle. You know, it, it's up to you as a person to what kind of trainer you want to be, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's good and that's bad, and it's scary and both exciting because when you get that top tier coach, trainer, whatever you want to call it, we're going to call it coach because. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's it's a totally different element, a totally different dy- dynamic in class. The amount of knowledge you get in one hour is crazy, right? And then if you take the coach who's just kind of pushing you just to get through class and just trying to get through the time, really not investing in you and mm-hmm. on their phone flipping through shit, mm-hmm. you're not getting anything out of that. Now you're, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. But there's everything in between. Yes, yes, there is. You know, there's no... Not all coaches are created equal. Nope. And I don't think they should be. Should not. And because I've even had some like folks drop in and this particular individual said, I don't remember what he was doing, but I gave him just like this minor cue. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh my God, no one's ever told me like that. I right. understand. And I took it as a compliment, but, mm-hmm. I, but I told him and, I, and the analogy I gave him is like, you know, your wife tells you something every day, but then your friend tells you the same thing in a different way. And now you understand it. And Melissa, I love you, but I know, I know that's the struggle that she deals with, with me. Right. You know? <laughs> Man. And I think the same goes with coaches. 100%. That goes. Yeah. It, you can, and I think that's, what's a good challenge on coaching, right? That's what separates the good from the bad is I gave you a cue, right? Mm-hmm. I gave you the correction. It's not clicking. I got to go to the next. It's not working. Got to mm-hmm. go to the next. So when you have a coach who's relentless, and I'm going to use relentless because they beat that into your skull at your level two, <laughs> um, but um, the bad coaches, they don't care, mm-hmm. right? They just watch you do the movement and then move on, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, there's stuff in between, but you're right. It's, it's funny how you can tell someone something a hundred times, mm-hmm. 
and it doesn't work, but the hundred first time it works. Mm -hmm. Can you get to that hundred first time is the challenge. And being able to explain to the athlete what you want them to accomplish in a manner which is digestible by them, whether it's visual, tactile, visual, or getting another coach. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you kind of, you can run into the problem where people get their, um, they ruffle the feathers and this is my territory. I'm the coach. Mm-hmm. Stupid, right? It's stupid. Never, ever think that you know it all because I'm going to promise you you don't and don't ever be dumb enough to think that you can't ask someone else what their opinion or advice would be. There are plenty of times at my gym where if I just have a challenge, I'll, I'll even maybe if one of the other coaches is in my class, I'm like, hey, you know, hey, Brody, can, do you mind? coaching him on this because right i it's not that i'm giving up Mm -hmm. it's just at a certain point i know that i'm not communicating properly or you're missing something or i'm missing something Mm -hmm. correctly you know and and i'm not afraid to admit that and that's why that's why you're a better coach because of that you know you can't be afraid to say hey i don't know this Mm -hmm. and i'm up front if i don't know something i'm like you know what i don't know Mm -hmm. i learned that a long time ago like your members they may not understand at first but they're going to start smelling your bullshit (laughs) Like, it's just, it's inevitable. Like when you, when you're sitting, you're, you, when you start making stuff up, you'll, you'll contradict yourself. You'll tell them something one day and then you'll tell them something completely opposite next. Mm-hmm. It's best to say, you know what? I'm not quite sure. I'm going to look into it and I'm going to get back to you. And in my infancy of my coaching career with CrossFit, I know there were often times where I would see an athlete doing something and I know it's not as it's effective not, right. or appro- appropriate, but, but I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> right. You know? I hate that, right? So I would like either grab another coach, like flag him down while yeah. I'm while I'm you know in my squat position, looking with my head <laughs> cocked sideways, like they're doing something incorrect, and I'm trying to flag down another coach mm-hmm. or I videotape it, you know, and I'm like you know, and during a break, I'm like, what what do I need to tell this person, right? You know, it, so you know, it's a challenge, but for me, obviously, the goal is making sure the athlete is moving safely, well, yep, moving effectively. I'm not reinforcing poor Bad behavior mm-hmm. or poor habits or celebrating them. Or celebrating them. You know. Just see it all the time, man. Someone's arm snaps off. Yeah, way to go. Are you kidding me? His arm's just di- dislocated. But he just got a PR, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on your 85-pound snatch. And your orthopedic bill. <laughs> Coaching is not easy. No, I think it's... I tell you, I, t- I tell people this all the time. When I, uh, when I coach back-to-back classes and then go into the class to WAD... Mm-hmm. I'm pretty tired. tired. I'm tired. Um, if my, I have to up my food, right. Because Mm -hmm. I'm constantly moving, I'm constantly demonstrating. I'm constantly like I'm dialed in, like, you know, I'm there to coach. I'm not there to babysit. Mm -hmm. It's a huge thing to me. I will not babysit you. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to push you to where you don't want to go and you're going to live in that comfort zone Mm -hmm. and you don't want it, but you do because you're paying me. Exactly. You're here. So you're here for a reason and you know what I'm going to (laughs) do. So you may hate me. But you're going to love me yeah. for the results, right? And there's usually the same core group of athletes that come to the class that I teach. I usually teach the late class, the mm-hmm. 630. And they know that I'm going to push them because that's right. what they're paying me to do. Exactly. And, and there's a couple that are like, no, no, I don't want to push that much weight. I was like, well, I don't care what you want to do. You need to. Absolutely. Because, you know, I might not have your numbers written down, but I know what you can do. You know their capabilities, yeah. which is huge in being a coach. You have to know the capabilities of all your athletes. and we were just talking like, how do you track 75, a hundred people's, mm-hmm. you know, as an owner, it's easier if you still 
train your because you have classes. that global responsibility to all your athletes. And I train more. I train the most classes, right? If you're mm-hmm. if you're a trainer, um, and you're only training two days a week, three days a week, um, you're not going to know everybody's tendencies. But guess who's you will know your six thirty p.m. class, mm-hmm. right? That's your job. Mm-hmm. You're not getting paid, and if you are getting paid, it's not much. It's it's literally it's your job. They are trusting you, okay. And I think that's kind of where some people fall off is they don't take it as this huge responsibility anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to get my free membership or whatever the hell their incentive is, and they're going to get through it. You're doing such a disservice to the gym. Mm-hmm. You're doing a disservice to the owners or owner, and you're doing a huge disservice to the person paying you, not paying you, but paying the gym mm-hmm. for your service of, to be coached, right? And I just it drives me nuts. and. But you do, you do your job. You know that, you know, their threshold, you know, that they're able and capable of doing more. But the problem is they don't think they are. Mm -hmm. That's your job to tell them, Hey, look, I know what I'm doing. You got to trust me. Mm -hmm. And they do trust you because you know what happens? They put that extra five or 10 pounds on that they weren't going to do. They, they complete it. Say they do it prescribed. They're, Mm -hmm. they're going to let 10 pounds separate them or five pounds separate them from going prescribed on a workout. Did they go a little bit slower? Yeah, Yeah, that's okay. But you went prescribed on a, a workout and you did a weight that you didn't think you were going to be do. able to do and you did it. Guess what happens to them? Their self-esteem goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. Their excitement goes through the roof. Now, this is why they do CrossFit. This is why they want to have a paid trainer. This is why they want, or not a paid trainer, but a trainer in general. Mm-hmm. This is why they pay for the, the fees that we talked about of CrossFit of being expensive. Yeah. They're stoked. Yeah. You're you know what's going on Facebook as soon as they leave? <laughs> I just did this. I just RX. did my first PR. I just did I my just, first RX wad. Dude, that right there. And that's just one person. Yeah. What happens when you do that to 10 or 15 every time you coach? You're changing their lives because you're giving them confidence. And, and like you said, you, your initial question, uh, what is it to be a trainer or a coach? It, there's so many facets. Like yeah. This is just another one of them. And I think it's a big, bigger one than saying three, two, one, go. <laughs> obviously changing people's (laughs) lives, but no, this is the thing that people don't understand that we've touched in other, other, um, our previous episodes is what are they paying for? Why are they paying this money? You can't, you cannot, you cannot emphasize them to them enough on what you're going to get out of them Mm -hmm. because they don't believe in themselves. Yeah. They don't think they can lift a barbell above their head. And I remember the first time that I had an athlete actualize their capabilities when this one particular individual, he'd all, you know, for as long as I'd been coaching him, he'd always used a band on his pull-ups. And one day it was something relatively, you know, this low number of pull-ups and he went to go get his band. I was like, no, nah, you're good, Steve. And he was like, what? I was like, no, you can do the pull-ups, man. You're good. But, and he was like, and he just looked at me and then I, and he gave me that look, that, that deer in the headlights look. And I turned away yeah. and walked and went and talked to somebody else. Like, He's like, damn, shit just got real. <laughs> like, Mo, I need my, I need my crutch. Yeah. And then when he was done, that was the first time he'd ever done a workout where he actually did, did all the, the pull-ups. pull-ups. Yeah. And for me, that was part of the coaching lifestyle that I was not, I didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that person was going to look at me as someone who helped them like that whole, that, that adoration. He was like, Hey, thank you very much. I didn't think I could do it. And I was like, no, dude, I know you can do it. That's why I told you to do it. Right. We yeah. as coaches take that for granted. When we first start out is we don't understand that, um, okay, we're, we're, we're in charge of this class. We don't understand that they actually, they believe in us. Mm-hmm. They trust us, right? They trust us to make the right decision. And even though they may combat it, 
like, well, I didn't want it. I don't, I don't I want, want to put my that extra five yeah. pounds on. Or I want my band. Yeah. They'll combat it. But what happens after they achieve it mm-hmm. is I think what gets coaching, uh, the addiction to coaching for me personally is what happens to that person that you just helped? Like you gave them, it's the smallest thing in the world, honestly, when you look in the, in, at, at life. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. No, it's not. It's a fucking pull up. But for them. But for them, yeah. this hour, this hour that they get to just separate from society, separate from the drama, separate from all the other crazy crap that happens throughout every single day, you just made their day, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they had the worst day in their life. You don't know that, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to come in. Typically, they won't come in and like give you their life story of today, mm-hmm. right? You just made their day for what? A pull-up. Yep. It, it's really nothing, but it's everything. It, yes. It's nothing, but it is everything. Right. So, and that brings me to my next point. Again, I said it's not simple, but one of the things that I wasn't really aware of that was going to be one of my roles is like an amateur psychologist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Because you know, one of the, the tenets of our show is you know, talking about the mental side of, of fitness. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of athletes, like you mentioned previously, that don't necessarily have the confidence in themselves to achieve X. Right. And being able to convince someone that they can do a thing. And how do I know that? Well, because like I said, I have a core group of athletes and I've seen their movement patterns. I've seen their, their strength. I know they can do it. And then when you're like, okay, you know, why are you, why do you, why don't you think you can do this? Oh, well, this and that. Okay. Well, just like you said, trust me, mm-hmm. you can do this. Go do it. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing I always say is, look, I'm never going to ask you to do something. I don't know that you can do. Mm-hmm. I tell them that over and over again, because the self doubt uh, we've talked about before in, in many other discussions, that self doubt is a killer on so many levels. It's going to kill your progression. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going to kill your results that you're, why are you doing CrossFit? There's res, it's a results driven, um, system, right? Mm-hmm. We want results, right? Um, so it kills that it's going to put you in a bad mood because you're, you're already negative on yourself on something you've never tried. Right. So it, it's them trusting you, man. That's awesome. Right. That's, yeah. that's the psychology side of saying, Hey, look, I get it. You're not, you don't think you can do it, but you have to trust and believe in me that I know you well enough that you can do it. That right there is such a, an awesome thing for that member to even hear those words that someone believes, believes in, them. in them. Holy yeah. hell. That's a huge thing. And then on top of that, the cherry is they did a 10 pound difference in their weight. They went up to go prescribe, mm-hmm. not that it prescribes everything, but to go up. That but that's 10, a huge benchmark. You know. It is. Yeah, it's, if it's our first prescribed, absolutely. Yeah. And, but yeah, to, to go up that 10 pounds to do something they didn't think they could do, um, you now are changing their psychology. Now what's going to happen is maybe not the next time or the time after that, but eventually what happens is they come in and their expectation is I'm going to go up five pounds, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to, I'm going to test the limits on my own as long as the coach is cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I was thinking, I know 85 pounds is prescribed today. Um, you know, and I was going to do 65, but I'm really feeling I can do 75. Mm-hmm. Right. For them to take that initiative, initiative yes. and say, Hey, you've done that. The coach changed their mentality, the, the, the confidence and the proper training 
and, and the tools that you've given them to start changing the psychology of I can't to I can, that's freaking <laughs> amazing. And then the inverse of that, sometimes we have to convince athletes that you shouldn't probably lift that way. Yeah. Or you shouldn't do this as prescribed because I think one of the things we mentioned in a previous episode was about the stimulus. And if it's, if they can finish the workout, but they're taking excessive amounts of rest, you're not getting the desired result in, in terms of the impact, whether the, whatever stimulus you're trying to achieve. Yeah. You lose the integrity of the workout when you're, when you load too heavy mm-hmm. or load too light or too light. But yep. I, I think the the heavy side will scare me more than the light side. You know, the light side, you're, you're going to, you're going to move and you might finish super fast. Okay. That still fine. sucks. It still sucks. Do Fran with a barbell. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> Do it with a barbell. You tell me how it goes. Yeah. Right. I think, uh, I remember there was one, it's one of the notable workouts and I can't remember the exact name, but all it is is overhead squats with a, with a PVC and burpees or something like that. Right. That was probably one of the most horrible workouts I've ever done because, oh, I don't have a lot of weight so I can go fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And briefly to go off topic, which we notoriously do. Yes. Uh, the programming side of that, look, I tell athletes a lot, look, there's certain times where I need to test their, I want to test their, uh, their threshold and find out what their capabilities are to go as fast as possible in a, in a movement, in a workout, not mm-hmm. a movement, in a workout. And I need to say, I need them to hit the red line. I need them to hold on to that red line until they finish, mm-hmm. right? I don't want them to dip below it, okay? but I don't want them to get ab- above the red line. You got to hit it and you got to hold it and you got to finish, mm-hmm. right? When I reduce that weight, right? A PVC pipe is ounces, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter. What happens is it, you're doing stuff so much faster. Your cycle, cycle rates are so much faster. There's zero rest. You're doing it unbroken, mm-hmm. right? And then you have the, the burpee element, which is going to suck. suck anyways, yeah. right? They're going to find out if, like I just said, if you do friend, if you do prescribed friend and you have a, let's say you have a five or six minute friend, okay, prescribed, mm-hmm. do friend with the barbell, okay? And you're now you're going to have a friend of probably 230, mm-hmm. as long as your pull ups are efficient. You're going to have a 230 friend and you're going to be fucking crushed. You're going to be a pile of crap you will. on the floor. And you're like, what the heck just happened? It's a barbell. I can do this prescribed. It's the factor of the intensity mm-hmm. of, what you can hit and hold, mm-hmm. that's what happens. So you're right, man. It don't take much weight, but yeah. you know, whatever. So back to coaching. Yeah. Back to coaching. <laughs> Did you ever coach anything else before you became an L1? The first thing I, I started coaching was some mixed martial arts. I jujitsu mm-hmm. is especially, um, for some reason I became really good at jujitsu. I sucked so much mm-hmm. probably for three years mm-hmm. and it takes a long time. Uh, you think CrossFit's frustrating. Try getting submitted nonstop, relentlessly for years. But I became really good at jujitsu. No gi, you know, so mm-hmm. just shorts and no shirt, yeah. t-shirt. I started coaching that and the coaching fighting as well uh, as far as being a trainer for fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that briefly. Um, I had a job offer, but I didn't want to move mm-hmm. from out of state. I'm very close with my family. Um, and so I kind of branched off of that. And then later in life, um, I, I did some baseball for our, some summer teams. Mm-hmm. I did that for two years. It was okay. Right. It's baseball is a huge, huge passion of mine or was, I guess, um, I played it, um, at a pretty high level growing up. And, um, 
So I always wanted to coach, coach something, coach something like that. But other than that, that's it. I would say uh, nothing else. Yeah. I have a little bit of coaching background. I coach girls volleyball. I coach baseball. When I was stationed in Texas, I used to do army combatives, which is essentially, you know, judo, but with no striking and you have a full uniform on. So I went through their, their really basic course and then Mm -hmm. allowed me to train like soldiers, like during PT and stuff like that. But I never really imagined myself being a CrossFit coach. I I don't know who does. Yeah. It just seemed like as an athlete, you know, I look at these guys because they're the only ones facing the the rest of the crowd, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I, you know, you look at, for me, it was like an authority figure. This person knows everything, you know, they're going to make me so good at everything. Right. You know, and and that was one of those things I levied upon them. And I just never saw myself having the ability because, you know, like I said, in that first episode where I ate garbage, you know, on that filthy 50, that very first Mm -hmm. day where I almost walked out of the gym. And so that was never anything that was in my, on my radar. And I don't, I I mean, even right now thinking about it, I don't even know why I became a coach. Right. It's crazy, right? It just happens. Literally. I think I just was, I, I went to the main site and I was like, Oh, let me see if there's a class anytime soon, you know, in Columbus, which is only about an hour away, Mm -hmm. give or take with traffic. And there just happened to be one coming up. And I was like, Oh, I got some extra cash. Eh, hell, why don't I just go take the L1? Damn, Mo, you're rolling. Cash. <laughs> well, we I, get a military discount, uh, though. Yeah, 200 bucks. <laughs> you get $800 out. You know, I, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm just go become a coach. And I told my wife, I was like, babe, what do you think about me getting my L1? She's like, okay, and we got the money. You know, yeah. I think you'd be a, a decent coach. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me just go see what it's about. And I, I really enjoyed the course. I, I, I wish it was longer. Were you... How how long had you done CrossFit before taking your L one? Probably about. I'm like the interview interviewer yeah, now. There you go. Good job. Thanks. I think I'd probably been doing CrossFit about like regularly, probably about six years at that point. Right. So you're way ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. getting those people who've done CrossFit for a month. Yeah, and that's one thing that was kind of alarming to me is there were right. people oh. that had been doing CrossFit for like 45 days. If that, if that there was one person who was there that they were coming to get their L1 so they could open up a gym and, oh. and, and hadn't done CrossFit. And, and for me, I was like, oh, okay. But I think the coolest guy in my class, he was someone that had just, he lived in, he didn't live close to any gyms. So he was doing CrossFit by watching YouTube videos mm-hmm. and going to the main site. And it was really cool. Which is to how see. CrossFit really kind of kicked off. Yeah. Right? It, it, but it was really like, it, it felt good to see how excited he was because the people that he had watched in the videos were not right. his facilitators. Yeah. So that was amazing to see his excitement about getting to meet some of his, you know, newly found icons. And here they are teaching him how to be a coach. And I tell you what, man, that's, that's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest hangups I have on becoming a CrossFit coach. Two things. One, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. You've been, you, you don't even have to have ever There's done There's no CrossFit. prerequisites. Yeah, you don't have to do CrossFit at all. But guess what? You can get your L1. Next day, you can open a gym. Open a gym. Insane to me. Mm-hmm. Like, this person has no idea what the heck they are doing. And they're going to charge people a premium price, which we've talked about, mm-hmm. and coach them when they need coached, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't do, I didn't take my L1 until I was three, over three years into doing CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it six years. Not that we know everything, but we do have some sort of background in CrossFit mm-hmm. at that point. In we time, have right? some working experience. Yeah. Right. 
And I, it drives me, it drives me insane that they still allow that. Like, mm-hmm. but I have to, I, the CrossFit model is the CrossFit model, mm-hmm. right? I can't control it, but I still wish they would. I wish they would change that. I wish they would change it that, you know, you have to have so much experience. Mm-hmm. Like they do in other other classes. For, take your L2, you have to teach so many hours of classes. To take your L3, you have to teach so many hours of classes. Mm-hmm. How come to open a gym, you don't have to have X amount of hours um, of classes to open a gym and be in charge of people's health and their life? I take that shit serious. Mm-hmm. And when people open these gyms that have no experience, I, I take a dramatic insult to that mm-hmm. because now they're representing CrossFit, which now representing me. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talked about them. Damn CrossFit fail videos is coming <laughs> right out of that gym. I know it. It's those gyms, man. It just like, come on. From the conversation we're having here, I get the sense that you had some pretty significant expectations of a coach when you were an athlete. Absolutely. I, you know, when growing up, I, I had to do a couple things pretty high level. Okay. So, I knew yeah, we mentioned earlier that you went to worlds in right, karate, right? You know? you know, it's not, it's a big deal, but it's not, I think I mean, it's, all, it's only this planet, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like people saying you went to world for chess. Like, you know what I mean? Like you still are freaking pretty good chess player, mm-hmm. right? It represents whatever sport you're in. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a high level for that. Um, I definitely didn't think I could beat everybody's ass cause I was good at karate. That's why I went to jujitsu. Then I could learn to beat people's ass. It's like, <laughs> Now I knew I went into you can my choke people out with their own. Dude, I went into jujitsu thing. I was going to whoop ass. Yeah. I got crushed. I'm like, I don't, I'm so out of my element. Yeah. Right. But yeah, no, my expectation was I knew how I was trained. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had my instructor had expectations of me and I had to s- fulfill those. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he was dedicating his time. He's dedicating all his efforts to make me the best I could be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, my my expectation was that when I got into CrossFit, that's what I was going to get every day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. What a turnoff. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it kind of just like you almost fall into a groove of like, okay, well, I guess this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not supposed to be right. It's supposed to be what I got as an athlete. That's what I'm supposed to be getting every day. Um, but I didn't get that for, I never got it. Mm-hmm. Honestly. There's a couple, maybe one or two coaches ever that I've just trained me that have given me that shit. Other than that, nothing. And, you know, just like most segments of, of employment across the spectrum, you know, you're always going to have a certain percentage of people that excel, yep. that are super passionate about what, you know, you could have a, a guy that's making popcorn at the mall and he's super passionate about it. Best you know, popcorn. Be, best band popcorn yep. ever. And you'll pay that extra money for that extra popcorn. Absolutely. You know, but just like with every other segment, you know, there's some people that don't necessarily meet those standards. So when you have high expectations, yeah. you know, you sometimes they're not going to be met. And and, wh- and, and, and we can, and, and the way the CrossFit model goes in terms of coaching, there's really no way to, to maintain that because there's no like checklist mm-hmm. that you have to go down. Okay. Every class, well, he greeted all the athletes check. Right. You know, okay. He started on time check. You know, there's, there's nothing. It's, it's and, a very, um, and you don't, and you don't want to be in a gym like that either. No. Like someone micromanaging you is ridiculous. So we mentioned before that you're an owner. So as an owner, what are your expectations of your coaches? Well, how many do you have here? We have five. Okay. Okay. So, and that's by design. Okay. We don't, um, I learned early on that too many coaches can be bad. We knew when we opened, we want to have, we want to have very few coaches. 
Mm-hmm. We wanted to have enough coaches to where we could cover the workload appropriately, mm-hmm. right? And to make sure that our fall off was zero. The thing I'd never change, I never changed the coach's delivery. I never changed, changed their personality. But what I do control is we do hit the same points. We do have the same philosophy and we will teach the same philosophies and the same points. Mm-hmm. But our delivery, I'm, I'll, never, I'll never infringe on that because that's what keeps the dynamic of a gym. So you said you keep it small with intention. Mm-hmm. Is that based off the ratio of athletes or the number of classes or just is an arbitrary number that you felt was appropriate? All three. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's all three. I mean, obviously, if you're running 15 classes a day, five coaches, most likely five coaches could probably do it if they're all, if they're full time for the Mm -hmm. most part. Um, No, I, I think I took a little bit of all three because it's easier to manage a smaller amount of numbers. Mm -hmm. And if, if I look at our coaches as hubs, right, we all come together Mm -hmm. and we, we teach like we have our, our, our training days in here as uh, coaches. And then I send them out training days in terms of like coaching development training. Right. Okay. Because our coaches unfortunately will lose their skills pretty quickly if they're not coached. Um, it's just the way it is. And, and if you don't refine your, your technique and you don't practice the new techniques or, uh, some, some things that we may be changing, mm-hmm. but we found out there were better ways to do it. So we're implementing them. How can you deliver them effectively to someone who doesn't even know what the fuck they're doing? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's tough. So when we do that, they come in, we use all three of what you just said. I send them back out and then they teach. Mm-hmm. So just that's your way of ensuring uh, a consistency to the product that's delivered to your athletes. Right. I think it's a very good quality control. Um, and the fact that I've been a part of a couple of gyms who have 12, 13, 14 trainers and we have less than 60 members. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting a new trainer every, every day. Every day. That can be an okay thing if you do it properly. And I see some gyms, which I think is pretty cool in the area, who actually um, have these coaches meetings um, and they talk about their programming and they talk about training, um, you know, the training methods and such. Everybody's now on the same page. Mm-hmm. Your expectations are X and I expect you as a coach to fulfill those expectations that I have that I want to introduced to the classes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to do it. And personally, um, mm-hmm. to have 12 uh, coaches who never show up to a meeting, right. Or are always late to a meeting who don't pay attention to what you want to change, what their delivery is going to do. They're going to undo what coach a did. Coach B is going to undo what coach a did. Mm-hmm. And you can't have that. Now they're not, now your athletes aren't progressing. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. You know, having that professional development and that continuously developing model, so that way your coaching staff can evolve together and they're all headed in the same direction. When our coaches get their L1, they come back and they have, they have another, uh, 14, like an internship. they have another 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. They have another 14 weeks. They have to, uh, shadow me mm-hmm. and then I shadow them. And only when I feel comfortable that they're going to do X and deliver, they're now only ch- teaching. Yeah. Classes. My gym, uh, first you started off shadowing. And then even once I got my L1, I was still part of that shadowing mm-hmm. uh, process. And we would have, I think we think you do like two meetings a week. And at the time there were about, uh, start off with about four of us. And it wound up, I think just being three at the end. And even like, I wasn't allowed to coach by myself for probably a couple months. And I appreciated having that someone writing co-pilot with me, 
because there were plenty of times I'd stand in front of the whiteboard and be like, uh, what am I supposed to say? And this ties into what you said earlier. You're standing up front as this, uh, authority, authority figure yeah. and they're looking at you and they're like, they have the expect, they're like, oh, they're nervous and mm-hmm. they're looking at you and they're waiting for your answers and you're looking at them and you're like, oh my God. I have I, now I'm him. I'm I'm screwed. Yeah. Like I am I'm the coach. Every everybody's looking at me and you're so uh, apprehensive, right? It's because I don't want to tell anybody the wrong thing. The wrong thing. Yeah. Early in your uh coaching life, you're gonna make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I did. And I and I'll tell you something. Uh, I talked to Joe DeGain. Um he he runs um eight ten CrossFit and up in Michigan, uh disciple of Doug Chapman and um, one of the things I took from him probably six or seven years ago was, look, as a coach, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up a lot when you're mm-hmm. a younger coach. And you're going to look back at yourself, I know, a year from now, and you realize how bad of a coach you were then. Mm-hmm. But you weren't bad. You were learning. Mm-hmm. And you got to be willing to make these mistakes to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what you have to do. So all these people are looking at you all nervous, right? <laughs> They're nervous and then you're nervous, but they don't know that you're nervous because you can't let them know that you're nervous. Yeah. Right. And luckily uh, I had a coach that was an L2 at uh, Fenway CrossFit up in Boston. And she was very gracious enough to be like, Hey, if you ever need any tips or if you want to get some feedback, you know, I'm here for you. I'm like, please, yeah, please, please, please. I mean, cause she's coming from a gym that has like 500 members. You know, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Like I said before, I'm an above average athlete, but I think I'm a pretty decent coach. Good. And having her feedback of telling me, okay, well, hey, you screwed this up, but you did this really good. Next time, instead of, you know, explaining it this way, do this, you know, hey, you know, in little things like, you know, make sure you don't turn your back on people when you're explaining stuff to them, you know, little things you don't think about. Right. Because you're, you're learning. Think about your first couple CrossFit classes, or even some of your CrossFit classes in your first six months. You go in and it's a whirlwind sometimes, and that's <laughs> don't you, even know which way is up. And you're it's just you. Yeah, you don't even know what the hell's going on. Now you have your trainer. Now you are the trainer, mm-hmm. right? Now you have fifteen people that are feeling this way, and you have to make sure they're safe, they're moving properly, that they're organized, that they're getting cues they're mm-hmm. getting you have, you have your teaching points that you're not getting married to each individual that you're progressing mm-hmm. them that you're they're loaded properly that was a hard part for me right? i used to hover around one or two athletes yeah. per class yeah yep. that was that was my biggest that was sure, my first challenge you gotta make sure you allow for all the freaking piss breaks because before you say go <laughs> yeah. right you gotta make sure that you got the girls can empty their bladders before double wonders because if not it's gonna go all over the floor and you have to make sure you have the clock on down instead of up right <laughs> there's so many responsibilities oh my gosh right how can you how can you succeed right so you're going to keep making these mistakes, but by mistakes, mistakes that they don't even notice, but mm-hmm. you do, those are what you learn from. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you. This is where we talked about in the beginning. You have your coaches who really don't care. And you have your coaches who want to take this to the next level and give the, each athlete everything. Those coaches right there, those coaches are the ones that are saying, man, next time I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try this. Or they do what you did and they seek out advice mm-hmm. because um, you have, to, I think you have to have a, a pretty good mentor, uh, as a, a beginning coach, mm-hmm. um, to kind of lean on, to, to pick their brain and to see those things you said you couldn't see. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know something's wrong. That's the number one thing I get, from, <laughs> right. I get it from people yeah. that started training under, under me. I know something's wrong, but I don't know what know it is. It, yeah. That's good. You're at least you're identifying. You're identi- yeah. Appropriate. They're doing something wrong. 
but now we got to teach you how to find it, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's how you can lean on the more experienced coaches who coach more athletes. That's how you lean on the experienced coaches who who have more exposure. They can kind of say, okay, well, here, check for this next time. Look for this. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll give you those pointers. And that's, that's, that's critical in my opinion. Yeah. And having uh, that core group of experienced coaches around me was probably the biggest benefit to my improvement as a coach and an athlete and an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I I will argue that. And is going back to the L1 course. I wish I would have taken that earlier in my career because I learned a lot about how I was moving, not as efficient Mm -hmm. and having those people, part of that L1 staff teach me how to coach, but, but also teach me how to do some things and just little bitty cues. Yeah. You know, it was super helpful. Yeah. And I'm going to circle back on the original question and, you know, when I was, when I was in, uh, being trained by instructors that I appreciated and respected and just, I just, I load for every single piece of information they would give me. I now, as a owner, give that to my clients mm-hmm. because I am now, I've been, I've been programmed a specific way as an athlete and it actually transition transitioned into CrossFit as an owner and a coach. Mm-hmm my expectation as an owner is to make sure I give that to them, them yeah. every single day because pay, forward. pay I got to pay it forward, right? I have to give this to them because somebody, when I was nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody got me to X, mm-hmm. right? I'm not asking my everyday athlete, you know, that comes in five days a week for health benefits. Say, hey, I'm, I'm not, I know you're not doing this for the games, but I'm going to give you every bit of knowledge that I can because next time you come in, I want you to make sure that bar gets a little higher into the pocket. I want to mm-hmm. make sure you stay in your heels on that snatch. You know, I want to make sure that we're not hopping forward. We're, we're getting our weight backwards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get all that stuff fixed because I got to give them that knowledge. Cause do you know what happens on their drive home? They think about this yeah. stuff. Okay. The next time you do the warm up the next day or next time you're snatching, what do you think they're thinking of? Or they're sitting in the elevator and they're working on their, their knee position. <laughs> yeah. Oh my know? gosh. Yeah. Sitting <laughs> some like hang power snatch with the broom. You know, yeah. So they, they think about this. So my job as an owner is now I want to make sure that I can give that to every single one of my athletes, every single day, every minute of the, the class. Yeah. So, so we've talked about a lot and, you know, all this sounds pretty intimidating. And when I decided to take that journey to become a coach, I was scared. It's tough. You, it, there's no other way to say it. When you, when you're a beginning coach, it is tough. Yeah. And, and it's good. Like you said, you are, very grateful you had a good supporting cast Mm -hmm. for the, all the coaches who don't have a good supporting cast. You got to seek it out, Mm -hmm. seek that knowledge out. There's no, find that mentor from another gym, from someone you respect, some, for someone that you see that moves well. Mm -hmm. Okay. That teaches well, get glued to their hip and learn everything you can. Okay. And even if you don't feel like you have that as an outlet, there's plenty of books. Yep. Um, plenty of videos and YouTube channels. Uh, and I can speak from personal experience, uh, Katie Brazell, she's, uh, one of those gymnastics gurus. Like one time I just casually posted something and she responded. Yeah. You yeah. know, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool, man. Thank you. Yeah. And, I, and I fired back. Thank you. <laughs> Cause I mean, what else can I tell her? Yeah. You, you, know? you can't. Yeah. And, and you'll find those people out there. Yeah. Right. Some people don't want to give away certain things. Right. But from my, my knowledge, um, most people are going to be more willing to help you as a beginning trainer because they've been there, mm-hmm. right? They're not asking for 
you know, how, how do I add 30 pounds to my snatch? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a long process, but Hey man, I just started out coaching and I really respect you as a coach. Is there any way you can kind of help me out? Like give me some advice. Mm -hmm. I really don't have a mentor. And and for those out there considering, uh, taking that journey of being a coach. Yeah. It's scary. Mm-hmm. but there are a lot of resources and I would argue that the coaches at your current gym would be more than happy to help you. Yeah. Should. Should. Yeah. And if not, you know, seek there's plenty, there's seek it out. There's plenty of resources out there. Obviously social media work for most. So. <laughs> Very much. Yeah, exactly. And you know, sometimes you might get surprised bringing things to a close on our episode about coaching and training. You got any, uh, parting shots, bro. You got to keep perfecting your craft. You never stop becoming a coach. You never stop learning. I'm not my best version yet, mm-hmm. right? I never will be. Once I once I settle down and say, "Hey, I'm done learning. I'm done, you know, seeking out, reading articles, looking for trends, finding different ways to move, doing, you know, how can I apply this differently?" Then Reach you need in, to stop coaching. You need, yeah, you're done. You're yeah. not. You're done coaching. You're not going to. You're not. You're wasting that person's time. For me, I think if anything, getting that certif- certificate basically made me legally responsible That's it. for those people that were facing me when I was standing at the whiteboard. Yeah. And, and I, and I took that and I still take that very seriously. And I say, that's it. As in that's one small step. I can now, I now have permission from CrossFit HQ that I can train a class legally. I, I'd say it's probably one of the more challenging thing I've ever done, but also at the same time, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I have to second that. It's not just about counting down three two one but you're impacting people's lives and you don't know how you're impacting those people's lives nope. and, and i think that's the, the beauty of of being a coach or a trainer for sure that brings this episode about coaching and training to a close this week's call to action why don't you go ahead and send us a picture of you repping your box on our instagram with that being said i think we're done for today i'm done all right i'm mo and i'm out i'm brody and i'm out Thank you for listening to the One More Rep Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at One More Rep Podcast or on Twitter at Can I Get One More or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com. You don't know what your impact is as a coach. You mm-hmm. really don't know. That right there is what led me to open a gym, right? Mm-hmm. Without that, I would have never opened a gym. If I didn't meet Nick, up in Maine, I would have never opened a gym. Mm-hmm. So he, I still to this day, every time we have our uh, one year <laughs> of our uh, anniversary at our gym, mm-hmm. so we're going on year four, I tag him and I tag Aaron Gennetti um, every single time. Just still, I still to this day appreciate um, everything they've done for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and without them, I would have never opened a, a, a gym.